that's a true statement. There is none like you, Lord. We worship a unique and only God who is majestic, wonderful, all-powerful. And it's an amazing thing that we get to actually interact with him through worship, through prayer, through serving, through loving people, but through being Jesus' hands and feet, by being people of faith, people who respond to God and have responded to God and keep responding to God. Let me pray before we sit down this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray your hand would be upon us today. If we open our ears and our hearts, Lord, to receive the word that you've placed in my heart for this morning. We just pray, Father, that we'd find freedom and joy accompanying us into the future in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. Great work, team. It's nice to be home in our house. Last week in Fiji, I must have said something in November when we were on our reconnaissance trip. Julie and I went over there to just check, check out whether stay there for a put, um, how we um, don't go anywhere. Um, whether, yeah, well, the build trip was in our sights. And I must have said something to Michael Lomi about loving the song, I Speak Jesus. So I walked in. Oh, is that what I, oh, doesn't matter. Whatever the situation was, they decided that they were going to sing it because Pastor Bruce was in the house. And uh, I did cry pretty uncontrollably through it, really, because um, it was in um, about seven-part harmony. Fijians, like many of the people of the islander ethnicity, are phenomenal singers. And they just as a community sing. They've got a, uh, they actually were singing, waiting for um, some of the people to turn up for the handover the, at of the house at the end of the week and they, Pastor Michael turned up and said, oh, why don't you sing for the builders? So they just launched off into this beautiful song. Uh, just, it's very, very moving. Anyway, in church they sang, uh, I, sang I Speak Jesus and uh, I just stood there at one point thinking, you know, the, the language of God, it's in English obviously, um, it was, and they speak in, they do the whole service in English. Um, allegedly they were practicing a Fijian version of the song during the week, but I asked them at the end, can you do that? They said, no, 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 Pastor, I don't think it was quite ready. But their English version was breathtaking because of the... What's the word? There's just this incredibly powerful sense of unity when voices get into sync like that. And uh, the C3 Thrive Latoka, the church there, the building's um, quite high and cavernous and open because it's Fiji, so Louvre windows. And I mean, they built that music out, and people for kilometres around would hear the worship and the praise. But I want to encourage you that um, we have, as a church, for at least a decade now, made an incredible difference to the lives of people in Fiji. And uh, Bit by bit, we haven't changed the island of Fiji or the islands of Fiji. We haven't changed the nation, but we've definitely done what we can to change the atmosphere around the communities, particularly in Latoka, but also we started off down near Nandi at the community in Solovi, and uh, we might get back there one day as well. Um, so anyway, the worship team there was phenomenal, but um, Julie and I, as you know, have been to lots of C3 churches over the years, and many of our guests tell us regularly when they come minister here in our church your worship team is up there amongst the best of the best in the world in our c3 churches 
And so I always come home here and go, oh, wow. And here we are again, um, being led into God's presence. So I want you to appreciate them this morning as they do come off the stage. Well, this month, I don't know what, I didn't actually get a chance to listen to Dave Schultz's message from last week, so if I'm repeating what he said, which I shouldn't be, um, but if uh, he said a few things that I stumble into, just put that down to God, because uh, you need to hear it twice. All right, maybe I need to hear it twice. I'll listen to his message later in the week. Um, but I put on here at the top of my sheet today, the big M, money. It's a really tricky topic. It seems to pervade pretty much everything we do. Everything about our world revolves around money. Um, in fact, Solomon says the money is the solution to everything. Uh, he's the wisest man who ever lived. And uh, <coughs> it, it certainly, well, I don't know if it's the solution, but it's certainly a solution in lots of situations. And so in church life, it's easy to skirt around it. And some, some uh, branches of Christendom are a little uncomfortable with talking about it. And some people, even within the context of our kinds of churches, which are not afraid to talk about it, kind of get a little bit twitchy on the topic. And uh, we never want it to be, a, to be a topic that makes you get twitchy. Uh, my heart is it's a topic that makes you start to think, is it possible for God to help me live a life that's more fruitful and more beneficial to not only myself, clearly, but to the way others can live and so the whole thing of generosity the whole context of um, having means to do things and one of the strangest and I think for me personally the most confronting things is in a country like Fiji and visiting a place like the comparative wealth of what we just take as normal here compared to what they live with and without there in, in a comparative notion and um, I've said this to some people before, I reckon every year 12 student ought to be put on a jet plane to a less fortunate part of the world um, for three or four weeks just to go and actually have it put in front of their eyes how privileged we are. Um, and people say, oh, we've got poor people in Australia who are disadvantaged here and why aren't you looking after this and doing that and the other? And it's like, well, that's true. There's, there are all kinds of pockets of disadvantage and difficulty. I'm not trying to say they don't exist. But as a generalisation, um, like, for example, the main road that goes from Nandy to Latoka is about, I don't know, 20 k's maybe. I don't think it's ever been, it's not had a bit of maintenance work done on it, as in upgrade or fix or rip up one section and replace it because it's full of potholes. We've been going there for 13 years. We first went there in 2011. And uh, that road... There's sections of that road that had potholes that um, they just never, they don't get fixed. There were workyards out of Latoka with all this road equipment that can fix roads, but it's in there, we drove past it every day. During working hours, they're all parked in the, in the depot, not being used. Partly because, I, I think, two things. They can't afford the fuel, probably. It's too much money for the government to spend on roads. A, B, that everybody qualified to drive them. And so we just assume, you know, we got a pothole here, we... We expect our road, our authorities to fix it up, and they do. Drivers nuts by maintenance in the tunnels and resurfacing the road and making you drive at 40 k's for six weeks afterwards because the service is special. It's like, well, what have we got to get? That's a first world complaint. Fiji, they'd be grateful for someone to fix the road. My gosh, we hit some potholes. Honestly, there was one I reckon the Titanic could have sunk in. 
oh my gosh. Um, there's one couple of trips we did back and forth, so I got used to the ones that I needed to avoid because the first time you hit them, you go, I wonder whether the front, front of the car is still there. It's like, and my point is, um, these, these things are all related to money. They're all related to the ability to generate wealth and the ability to actually prosper. And so talking about that in church is not meant to be a dirty word. It's meant to be a word of, of encouragement and a word of... Um, I guess a word of inclusion in the sense of we are a community of believers together. We bring our tithes and offerings and put them together because we believe, I believe, I believe that we believe, that God wants to put our resources as we bring them to him to good use, to affect and change lives. And so this, this whole area of um, teaching is so important to present and to receive. And to receive well and go, and if you're a person who manages your money well, and you're actually, you know that you've taken lots of steps, I'd say, well, I'm really blessed that you've actually had, you've been put together that way, and that you're wired to be disciplined, and you are. Just remember there are people sitting in this auditorium and other places out in the community who are not. They've got no idea. And or they don't care. They just sort of go from one balls up to the next when it comes to money. And so my heart is, maybe we can help each other. Maybe we can be a little bit of encouragement to one another. So I love the way Dave Ramsey, he's a, he's a bit of an interesting dude in the whole arena. He's a guy that went bankrupt and realised he needed to sort out his life and he's got a, a Christ-centred version of how he puts the money issue into practice and he's really good at helping people and he's hot on the whole idea of budgeting and uh, literally having a budget to live by for some people that is a completely and utterly like totally foreign concept like what do you I don't know I just get paid and we spend the money and we get to the next week it's like you know as he's quoted to saying like if you aim at nothing you'll hit anything it's like who knows where you end up so he says this, money is active. It is always moving, always flowing from one thing to another. By the word thing, I think he means entity, whether that's a person or a corporation or a church or a whatever. It's money flows. Um, that makes it really hard to manage. So don't be thinking for a minute, if you're good at it, that everybody else is, because it is actually difficult to manage it. But you've got to take control. Money flows. This is an interesting thought. I hadn't heard him say this before. I hadn't read it anywhere, I don't think. Money flows away from those who can't manage it towards those who do. Like, hmm, okay. Anyway, that's his version. He's just another person like you and me with an opinion and an experience of life. We've also got the Bible, which is where we stand. Julie mentioned about standing on promises. Well, we stand on promises when it comes to finance. We stand on the mindset of God revealed to us in his scripture. In Matthew 13, we are this morning, that whole chapter. But we're going to start at verse 3. Then he told them many things, as Jesus, in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he scattered the seed, some fell. Say fell. Fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came down, the plants were scorched and it withered because it had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred 
60 and 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. I want to say this then, out of that. It actually takes discipline to retain, say retain. retain. Takes discipline to retain some of your current assets, say cash, seed, to use as seed for the next season of life. In other words, do not spend everything you've got. People who haven't got much think it's a bit rich for a guy like me to say that. They get offended. And you go, being offended is the wrong response, whatever I say about that. Because it's actually true whether you've got a lot or not a lot, the worst thing you can do is spend it all. It's like, well, how do I do that I haven't got enough to live on? That's a different question with a different answer. But this particular point has to be taken, I believe, at face value. The farmer went out to sow his seed. My question to you, has you got any seed? Have you got any seed left from the work that you did in the last six weeks? Or is it all gone? This is not a question of criticism. This is a question of maybe it's possible to discipline your life, just tweak it a little. You know, well, how much money should I have left over? Well, if you always spend all of your money every week, because that's just the way things are, it's tight, rough, whatever. You might even be running a budget. Is it possible to plan, we're going to save $5 a week? You might think, that sounds ridiculous. In the scheme of things, it's like a couple of litres of petrol. That's not the point. The point is not how much. It's the decision to take control. It's the decision to go, you know what, we've got to start saving some money. We've got to start putting some seed aside. Let's start somewhere. Let's start doing that. I believe with all my heart that if any of us who are in, let's just say, finding it a little bit challenging at the moment in the financial context, and it's in the media relentlessly, cost of living, inflation, these interest rates going up, it's like I haven't got money this, how many for that? I tell you, if you went to Fiji, like we just did this week, you would wonder what on earth the media are talking about when it comes to people are actually doing it tough. The resorts over in Fiji are jammed to the gunnels with people. Australians with their kids and their grandparents by their tens of thousands. The aeroplanes flying to Fiji are jam-packed both directions completely at the moment. And I thought, well, if there was a big downturn in our economy and people are doing it tough, I'm not saying there aren't people doing it tough. You'd expect that to have kind of gone down off a cliff. No, it's like it's just completely... I'm going, okay, well, maybe the interest rates haven't quite bit hard enough yet. That's bad news if they haven't, because... What do you do about that as a Christ follower? Don't trust... No, I better not say that, because it'll come out wrong. Don't put your trust in the government. I'm not in any way, shape or form advocating anarchy. I'm not like it's like, but the government's not the one who's going to look after you at the end of the day. God is. I want to put my faith in God. We need the government. I mentioned before, the welfare system we've got here is phenomenal. Um, maybe unsustainable in the, the way things are going, but that's another story again for another day. My point, though, is that I want to make sure that I don't just get comfortable in the fact, well, someone else will look after me. It's like, no, I want to like to get comfortable in the fact that my God's always looking after me, whether I've got a lot or not a lot. 
The Fijians don't have a lot, but boy, do they love life. Do they have fun together? Do they laugh? Do they work hard? We had these, well, John's suitcases got taken out to the build site with all the power tools. We take all these battery-operated tools and the batteries and chargers over there. I reckon the case with the tools in it probably weighed about 40 kilos. And I'm thinking, and we're walking along this track. Honestly, it's from about here to uh, the other side of chocolate number five, a bit further than that, maybe 150 metres. It's just this single-file bit of dirt that was dug out of a paddock. They churned up a driveway, but that was like that deep in quagmire. You couldn't walk through that. So this was just the dry bit. And when it rained, it was like standing on ball bearings. And we had to carry everything from where we parked the car out in the road across this swamp to the house build site. And we're expecting in June for it to be dry as a bone. No, it's not. It's like walking on. Woo! Anyway, one of these young, these Fijian guys, he's way less portly than me. And uh, he said, can you give us a hand with this? No, pastor. I'll do it. Next thing you know, this 40 kilo suitcase is up on his shoulder. It's like this. And I'm walking out there with my bag of tools going, oh, they're just phenomenal. My point is, they haven't got a lot. You don't have to have a lot to be happy. You've just got to make a decision to be happy, I think. Um, but that puts a little bit of pushback on us that have got a lot to think, what are we doing with our resource? Is like, just how connected are we with being the generous people of God that we'd like to think we are? And uh, I, I'd like to think that we've, we've done a lot as a group together, and I'm very proud of you. I think that's the word I thought of when Julie said, what would you say about it? I was proud of our team during the week. Uh, we really did have a filthy time with, with a, a gastro thing go through the team. We've never had that problem in Fiji before, but um, there were guys out there that were, like me, squeezing their cheeks together all week. There's no toilet. There's no toilet. There's no toilet with the bull's roar. Um, it was like a couple of people said, can anyone take me back to the church so I can use the bathroom? Like, that's a five-minute drive through the Rocky Canyon. At, um, and that's even more butt-cheek squeezing. <laughs> Just giving you a little bit of context. A little bit of context. It's like, oh, my gosh. But alongside the frivolity there, I'd say, uh, in spite of that, we were, I was just, yeah, that's right, mate, you, you got very on cue. Well done, well done, Spencer. Um, yeah, proud. Very, very proud. Yes, so we, we'd normally build the house in four days and have a day off on the Friday and we've, we've, put, uh, we've paid to go out to an island to just experience a little bit of relaxation in Fiji and that didn't happen this time because of the sickness and because it rained one of the days pretty badly as well. We had to send, six of us went out on the Friday to finish the building, I think it was six. And so we didn't get to have the trip off. And so in that, just look, I look at that and nobody complained. When we're not over there to have holiday, we're able to work. And we got the work done and completely finished and I just came away from that very, very proud of our whole crew including the Norwood guys, of course, we're a, we're a team together over there. Teamwork, there's lots of reasons in a project like that to have a bit of argy-bargy, a little bit of dis difference of opinion about this, that, on the other, and those sorts of dynamics 
are part of the deal of being a team on the ground. But at the end of the day, we all have an incredible spirit of cooperation and we get over that and we get on with it and decisions are made and the thing gets finished. And so in every respect, I go proud of the ethic and the, the, the culture that we bring into that place of, and hopefully change. So that's just my comment there. So let's get back on track here. The big challenge in the messages for this month of June is around the discipline of handling money. How much we have is not the focus, but what we do with what we have. So I hope that you'll walk with us over the next couple of weeks with an attitude of, I'm open to hear. I'm open to be taught. I'm open to be challenged. Uh, this is not meant to be uh, being open to being criticised. It, it's not that, ever. It's just, a, is it possible that God wants me, personally, to look at this through a different lens than I ever have? Um, and so the point of that first section is we, we need seed to sow, which we retain from the seed to eat. Let me say that again. We need seed to sow, which we retain from the seed to eat. Living in a rural community like we did in the 1980s, it's a lot easier to relate to that when you start to see farmers going out to sow their wheat, barley and canola crops. They've retained seed from the previous harvest. For them, it's a no-brainer. This, this is how it works. But those of us that live in an urban environment where our seed is money paid for work done, it's so easy to miss the principle. And Jesus is talking to an agricultural um, context. So he's talking to people who understand the deal. We, we need to put it in a different language. When you get paid, keep some for sowing into tithing. Otherwise... Offerings to God. That's a smart thing to do as a priority. Dave Ramsey's just straight up. First thing you've got a plan to do is put that aside. Second thing you've got to do is decide to put some money. The second thing is to save some money and then live out of the rest. It's like pretty easy. Um, I've heard that principle taught in many places. Giving, saving, debt reduction. 10%, 10%, 10%, live out of the 70. Like it sounds really easy to say that up here as a formula. Like I said... It becomes more of a challenge when the pot that you're talking about, 70, 30, is smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, I want to say to you, whatever the pot looks like, try. Try to let the promise of God about how you handle money in front of him and with him, let his promises begin to push you into another zone, another place. Let's move on. In Matthew 13, 12, it says something completely brutal. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Anyone think that sounds a bit rough? It's like, oh, man, Jesus, I thought you loved me. Like, whoever has will be given more, and whoever they will have abundance, and whoever does not have, even what will be taken away from them. It's like, oh. This harsh-sounding verse is really spelling out the reality of um, having seed to sow contrasted with not having any seed, anything to sow and therefore no harvest. So it's following on from that same line of thinking. It's not a change of direction. In other words, whoever has been given more will have an abundance. In other words, when you've got seed to sow, for goodness sake, sow it. Don't spend it. Sow it into the thing that will make 
More seed. So surrendering, one of our words from our theme for the year, sent. Surrendering to this discipline is closely related to surrendering our finances to the Lord in tithes and offerings. So the chapter starts with the farmer casting and the seed. This is an interesting little thought. Can't the seed is cast onto the ground. The word of God, and Jesus explains this, this parable is actually about the kingdom being sown into people's lives, but the word of God is cast on us, not planted in us. So there's no assumption from him that when the gospel's presented that is drilled into you like a seed, like a, a, a seeding machine, they, they, in their scenario, cast seed onto the ground. And the picture that Jesus describes is very much that. So my point with that is the condition of our heart will determine the outcome. So even talking about this is casting seed about managing your finances. It's not planted in you. It's casting. It's actually just dropped on you. And whether that takes root in you or not and gets planted in you is up to you. And so you can have the rocky ground heart today with what it said and just bounce off. That's what Jesus says is going to happen for some people. Or you can have the cares of the world still growing up as weeds in your garden, your finance garden, your life garden, and a message like this can fall amongst that. And you go, oh, yeah, I could do that. I could change this, I could change that. But at the end of the day, the weeds are the weeds. And they're going to choke it. And praise God, some of it falls on hearts that are soft, open, and just being ploughed up. And the word takes root. It starts to actually bring forth fruit. So I want to say that that principle works in so many contexts. These are my last couple of points this morning. So you can have a life-changing conversation with someone about almost any topic in an area of life where we personally don't do well. In other words, the person talking to you is actually trying to help you. And not let the required... This is so important to get this. Not let the required change take root and change our behaviour. So let me just give you some examples coming towards the end here of what I'm thinking of there. So obviously finance and money management. You could have somebody that could sit down who actually has got discipline in that part of the world and ask them, how do you do that? What's a budget look like? How do you do that? Why wouldn't you ask somebody who's good at that to help you if you're not? Other than pride, other than not knowing that it's a good question to ask, and it is a good question to ask, but there are people who need a little bit of help with relationships. They just, yep. What if you had a life-changing conversation with somebody about the fact that you're actually socially inept? Ooh, did I say that? Yeah, the kind of person that everyone in the room goes, uh-oh, here comes Bruce. <laughs> Let's just move her over to the other side of the room for a minute. It's not because I smell. It's not because I'm ugly. Some of you might disagree with that. It's... <laughs> It's not because anything other than I'm just socially really hard to get around. Always talk about myself. Never take breath. Yak, 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 yak. Always whinging about something. I mean, who knows what the issue is? If someone 
lovingly took me aside and said, hey, Bruce, do you realise you're always talking about yourself? And other people find you a little bit, you know, annoying. Really? Oh, I didn't know I did that. I could take that conversation and get offended, storm out, or I could go, tell me more. What do you think I should do? You got any advice for me? Tone down the conversation about yourself, buddy. Okay. How am I going to do that? Well, I'll tell you what. Every interaction I'm part of with you, give me permission to tell you after that, you didn't change. I noticed a change. You stopped talking about that. Like, get somebody that's willing to walk with. It's called discipleship, by the way. Some, someone who's willing to just pull you aside. Hey, buddy. What about if somebody noticed that every time you went out, you, you always just spent a lot of money. You, maybe they go to the shops with you and say, tell me about a shopping experience for you. Do you have a list of things you want to buy or do you just kind of go to the shops and, oh, I'll have that, Boom, I'll have that, Whoop, maybe like that. It's like, and somebody could say to you, um, is that in your budget? Uh, I haven't got a budget. Would you like me to show you to have one? Like, again, you get offended by somebody speaking up, but a loving brother or sister surely is going to say to you, that's not sustainable. That's leading you to poverty. This is why God's so interested in listening to what the Bible has to say about managing this part of our world. Anyway, I get back. Relationships. Maybe your family could do with a little bit of help. Is there something there that you need help in? It's the same thing about the seed sowing issue. Anger and bad social habits. Is anybody allowed to tell you when you're angry that your anger is actually inappropriate? Nothing wrong with being angry. You will get angry. I got really angry this week at the field. I tell you, I was a little embarrassed about my self-conversation at times because I was ticked off about being sick and ticked off this, that, and the other. But um, we got to learn to manage our anger. Some people don't. They just go, no, I'm, I'm angry. Get out of my way. It's like, who can help you? Can can another person help you? Is that something that a life-changing conversation? Wouldn't it be awesome if you knew that you had, for all your life to this point, lived with inappropriate levels of anger, either expressed or internalised? That someone got a, maybe a word from God about it and said, do you want some help with that? And that's a good question to ask somebody. It's a really important question to answer truthfully some people go no I'm good in fact most men go no I'm good don't need any help and I say yeah okay I think you're being quite truthful but that's another story for another day Um, admitting we've got a problem is not easy for many of us but that's what the point of the gospel is we've got a problem we're going to hell without Jesus it's pretty brutal it's not, it's not a soft gospel. The gospel is not free of trigger points for those of us that are... It's like it just blasts into broken human beings with the opportunity for change, with the opportunity for a new day, the opportunity to be something you've never been before. Final comment. Then some final scripture. Surrendering is never a passive giving up. Okay, it's not surrendering and lying down and waiting. It is meant to be a handover of control. Giving my family to God. Giving my anger to God. Giving my financial world to God. Giving my career to God. 
It's not surrendering, it's not I just No, no. And then be being front footed with it, whatever that might be. Some final thoughts here was again from the, um, Dave Ramsey's material, which I, I actually find really quite helpful to just think through. He in Proverbs six earlier up says um, go to the point of exhaustion. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. It's like he's saying about this, and there's other areas of your life besides money where being just passively willing to deal with it is not going to cut it. You've actually got to like, and I felt like the, the build this week has an end date. It's called giving the key to the guy we're building the house for. And every one of the team members that were there, as sick as some of them were, were determined to keep going to the point of exhaustion because we knew we wanted to deliver that house to that family. And we're only there for the, the week. And it's like, have I got some sunset clauses in my journey through life that drive me? And I don't mean driving yourself to the point of burnout and ending up in... in uh, a facility to help people get out of that scenario but I am talking about having a determination that's got something incredibly empowered of God in it I'm going to keep going I'm going to keep fighting I'm going to keep relentlessly pursuing that thing if you've got an uncontrolled out of control credit card in your life this morning the only way you're going to beat that sucker is to take control of it I, I'd never seen before he put in his notes so if you read that he said why do you think MasterCard's called MasterCard? MasterCard. It's like, if you've got a MasterCard that's mastering your life, seize it by the throat and start doing something to get it under control. I can't control that for you. You can. And it's that sort of thing that I'm thinking, if we can say things like that in church that help somebody get set free from a death trap of debt, that's a good day, I reckon. And we're in the community because we can help each other. And so there are people that you'll get to know in our church community who are successful in an area of the life that you may not be. And it's like it's not the wrong thing to ask them. Can I talk to you about blah, 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 whatever it might be? If you don't know who to speak to, as the pastors, we have been in, the, in our church since the get-go. We know lots of families and their dynamics and what they're good and not good at. We can help you. And part of what I'd see is my job is putting you with them and them with you in a certain arena of your life that's beneficial to everybody. So let's stand to our feet. Close our meeting this morning. Mighty God. Oh, Lord, I just pray that our house, this house, C3 Church, Adelaide Hills, would have an incredible encounter with you in this focal point of June and just our, our personal world of finances, but our church world of finances as we come up to our Build to Reach offering at the end of the month. We, we as a church go, we're, we're invested in sowing seed into the well-being of other people. Whether that's in Fiji, whether that's our connection we've had historically in Europe, and some of the things that go on there that, that we know our presence there has helped overcome all kinds of obstacles.
But Lord, for every family this morning, who, individual who's heard this message here in the auditorium, online, wherever they might be, my prayer, Lord, is that we would surrender this financial realm. For those that are already confident they've done that, Lord, and are living out of the blessing that that involves, help them, Lord, to be willing to help people here who haven't. And Lord, make it supernaturally a sovereign interaction between people that helps those who are maybe finding this whole arena a challenge to have the sacred conversation, the life-saving conversation where seeds of change are sown and they take root. And that Lord, we'd see families totally turned upside down for the better in the days ahead. So Lord, we just bring this whole arena into your presence and ask for your blessing on our church, blessing on every family, your blessing on every business, Lord. Be with us, Lord, in this arena of our life. Let your light shine. We are salt and light people. And God wants us to live like that in every theatre of our activities. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never actually considered God's interested in your life in the arena of not only money, but every part of your life, then coming to Him is an important part of what we present here every week. The atmosphere of a church service like this can soften your heart to say, I believe. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never invited Him into your heart, I'd love to speak to you at the end of the service. We're going to sing a song in a moment to close. But we can talk about how do you give your life to Jesus and we can pray a prayer that will invite Christ into your life. If we do that down here privately at the end, I'm going to tell you that one of the things I'd say to you is next time you're in church, hopefully next week, that's a public thing. We're going to say so-and-so, gave their life to Jesus and we're going to celebrate together because your personal acceptance of Christ must become a public um, expression immediately. Some people are a little bit shy and people's like, I get that. Personally receiving Jesus is a personal thing. But after that, it's all about us, a community. Anyway, God bless. I've said enough. I'll go. Let's sing to close. <laughs>